Welcome to the Whole Enchilada, a community of high achievers that fight the status quo, rebel against mediocrity, and make life happen. Let's go. Hey, Enchilada Nation, excited uh, for the conversation we're going to have. It's actually an economic conversation. I invited three of my good friends and some of the smartest people I know that are constantly analyzing the market in their current uh, areas to have the discussion with us in regards to the global economy, the national economy, and how do we drive that into our local economies and operate as entrepreneurs. So this is a three-part episode. I hope you enjoy it. Lean into the conversation. I would love to hear your feedback on what you believe the market's going to do. Let me let me ask you this question. This is one of my biggest concerns. In part, I think it's partially because you know my kids are getting older and starting to think through that. Is historically speaking, the percentage of of real estate transactions from a buy side that are happening um, happen with with people you know between the ages of of twenty and maybe thirty five. But my 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 concern is that group that's now coming into that age. Uh, you think about the, what how the world has operated over the last decade and how people have treated money. Do we do we see a world in which first time home buyers are still going to have a, a, an opportunity or, or ability to to buy? Because this is I'm I'm worried about my kids' ability in the future to be able to get a, a starter home. Like, is there going to be a such thing as a starter home that makes sense anymore? Yeah, I think that's a major political issue we've got to face. And, and I'm probably a little bit more like out there on some, you know, potential options that can help protect that. Because again, price is just going up. I know the whole baby boomer and the trillions of dollars being passed down generations, they think is going to help solve some of that. But even like, you know, legislation that helps first time homebuyers get into that first property or something I'm, I'm pro of, you know, uh, like even just, you know, the capital groups and these venture funds that have been buying up a lot of the single family, uh, we've, we've probably got to, as a society, got to limit that a little bit just to protect that uh, chunk that's there for our kids and grandkids. I don't know how I would have necessarily got started had I not had the ability to buy real estate early in my life. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've got to band together and figure that out. You know, affordability is a big issue for protecting our future generations ability to get into properties, you know, uh, is important. Which if, if we don't do something about it, really what that's going to do is going to create a bigger chasm between the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to not see a pathway of changing their circumstance to some and, extent. And dad issues, right? You're going to blame your parents for not being rich enough to buy you houses where there's going to be a separation of generations too. So, yeah. well, and yeah. I think right now too, y'all, there's more people, more college and or post-college children living at home with their parents than there ever has been because of the student debt. And I actually, I got licensed in 2006, which was, you know, a great time to get your real estate license. So I'm getting ready to have my 17th anniversary, but I was just sitting here thinking, I think it was 2008, 2009. Some of you may remember when the, when I very first started was the big first time homebuyer credit that the, that first time homebuyers got. And so it would, there was a huge flood of first time home buyers around that around that time period because they got that back. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's definitely something to be concerned about. And I agree with you, Johnny, Adam, and I have talked about that before. Like if we, you know, if your kids have don't have zero debt coming out of school and, you know, you're not helping that, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah. Especially because, you know, but in, the, in that market, when they did those big first time home buyer credits and they're doing some of those, but that money came from somewhere, right? Yeah. So we we've the problem is, is a lot of ways we've eliminated some of our ability to use the tools to do those because our we've talked about the global debt but the the national debt is so high too that 
a lot of those things, it's like, well, this just gets us deeper and deeper in debt of how do we climb out of this if we're giving away free money over and over and over again. It's 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 going to be an interesting time. So I guess the real questions are like, what, what do we think is going to happen in the next several years, right? And even one question I'd love your opinion on is just, what have we learned from this that we're going to be better prepared the next time? You know, we keep doing cycles and seasons, but, you know, let's talk about the market the next couple of years. Uh, like, I, I'm still very... My money's on the real estate market in the United States of America, like short term, long term, always, right? I, I just I have staked my wealth on that. I know there's you know short perspectives, but like you own any piece of real estate for ten years anywhere in the in, in the United States, you're probably going to look smart. So I think I'm generally optimistic. Always, you got to get granular and make sure the numbers work and all that. Zillow came out and said what six point four percent appreciation they're projecting next year. The realtor world and real estate companies tend to be the most optimistic. Uh, I think that would be great, but I, with the lack of inventory, I personally don't. I don't. I don't know how we don't go up a little bit uh, next year. If not, worst case, stay a little level. I would be shocked if we depreciated compared to you know coming out of the early two thousands. But if we talk about the next three to five years, like I'm still, I'm still very bullish uh, and, and optimistic on the U.S. real estate market. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I, I think from a couple of different ways, not only this, just believing in the economic, that that is an economic play of like this. It, if, if And I got a graph that I showed a group yesterday of showing every decade, what was the average appreciation per year of the median home price across the United States since 1960. And it's and that's in, from 1960 till today, we've been through wars, we've been through recessions, we've been through economic booms, we've been through economic failures, but consistently over a decade period of time, no matter what, our, our uh, uh, median home price has appreciated across the country. Now, if that is coming in at three, 4% on uh, an average, that means some places in the United States were significantly more than others. I think one of the things we got to think through is you, we say U.S. it's going to happen. And then within, within the U.S., I think there will be some depreciating markets next year. And some markets will have the economic wherewithal to push through it and still appreciate. And there are places that still make sense. It's, it's us in some instances from an investment standpoint, we may have to climb out of our own markets. Well, the challenge is clearly, uh, you know, uh, like Dana's homie uh, McKissick's like breaking even at the bottom of a rental analysis, right? That's a challenge right now is it's just so hard to pencil things and make them work where you're not going backwards on a monthly basis, whether it's either, you know, there was a time period in Utah pricing and uh, mortgage rates. So many things just make sense to put a little down payment and they can at least break even, just buy it and just keep it in your portfolio. It's not sexy, but seven years later, you have a bunch of equity. You got to be scrappier now. You know, it's like the beginning of my real estate investing journey. I had zero dollars. So I had to just do whatever it took to somehow get a piece of property and make the numbers work, you know, have no down payment, whatever. I just think it's forcing us to be scrappier right now, whether it's more down payment, seller financing, creative scenarios, partnering up on things, whatever the deal may be, maybe even going out of state or something. But I, I would probably just say we got to put more work into the acquisition and acquiring st stuff. And we'll still be generally happy, uh, you know, owning stuff. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, Dana, let's, let's shift the conversation from, like we, we talked a lot about the economy and things. I think sometimes when people hear that stuff, they go to a negative space of like, what am I doing? Like walk us through, like, what do you see as the opportunity as a real estate agent right now? Is, it, is this an exciting time to be doing what we're doing? Yeah, great question. So I pulled a couple of stats just to share with you guys for NAR, and this is through the end of July. <clears throat> There's still an average of 3.3 offers per listing uh, right now in the United States. Sales are down 16.6% 
through the end of July. However, we're down for the second year in a row and we were down about 16% last year. So if you go back two years, we're really down about 30, 35-ish percent, between 30 and 35. Uh, monthly mortgage payments have climbed 12%. Yet, here's the kicker. This is the crazy one. 77% of realtors polled with NAR today think negatively about the current real estate market. So what? So so I share that because I want you guys to think about uh, my friend Diana Kokoska has always said this, and it's the one thing I thought forever and ever that I'm never going to forget. Opportunity is never lost because it's always found by somebody else. So yes, I think that it is still a great time to be in real estate. I think what I agree with everything Johnny just said, by the way. And I think when I hear Gary say the fool is the person who didn't buy as much real estate as they could over the last couple of years, I'm like, yes, I think we've all driven by houses and we're like, crap, I should have bought that one. And I should have bought that one. Um, but yeah, I think opportunity is never lost. It's always found by somebody else. I think it's going to be a different market. Over 70% of realtors with NAR right now have not been licensed for more than five years. So they've never been through a shift. And if you are one of those agents, then I think you have to really dig in um, because there is opportunity. Um, somebody's going to grab the market share. And so I think if it's not you, it's going to be some, it's going to be somebody else. <clears throat> People are still going to transact. I never can remember all these, but you guys probably know like the five D's or whatever. People are still going to get a divorce. They're still going to die. They're still going to have diapers. All those things are still going to happen. So the difference is we have to find the people who are transacting because of an emotional decision or because of a lifestyle change. They're not just moving for fun because they're not going to trade a three for a seven and a half or a seven. I mean, it it's unless they have to make a, unless they're having a life decision or an emotional decision, right? I think- the opportunity also lies in the realtors that are going to really thrive in this market are the ones, in my opinion, that are going to know that they have to provide context and perspective to their clients. I love when Gary said this a long time ago. He said, "We, you look at yourself as salespeople and you're not salespeople, salespeople, you're teachers. And I really believe that. I think just like we kind of talked about earlier, if our clients are only getting their news and their perspective from the media, we have a serious problem. <laughs> they are they are not going to want to transact. They're going to think that the rates are the worst that they've ever been when we know that that's not the case. Um, so I, I think we have to really be teachers to them and we have to up the, not only the quality of the ways that we're doing that. And I can talk about that a little bit more, but the quantity too, like we have to be louder. Remember he or she, who is, is the loudest is probably going to win. And if they're hearing all, watching all these gurus on TikTok and YouTube, talk about the market who haven't been in the market. I mean, I just think we have to, we have to really watch it. And then one last thing, Marcus, I think about as far as just is there sell opportunity, 60% of the Fortune 5000 companies, some of them I'll name for you, actually started in a wintertime season and or in a downshift. Disney, Hyatt, Chevron, uh, Microsoft, Apple, and I think FedEx, I don't have my note right here. Um, they all started in like a downturn. So, or in a, you know, what Tony Robbins would call winter, if any of you, if any of you follow Tony. So in the great depression, more millionaires were made than any other time. So there is opportunity and people either run towards it or they're scared and they run away from it. And so I think if you can be one of those that will run towards it, that this is a great time. I mean, a, a super great time. People always have to have a home to live in. It's not like it's going away. I, I love what you're saying. And one of my biggest challenges right now is it's a lot easier to be negative than it is to be positive. 
Yeah. Like, are you all going to be part of the 77% or, cause I don't want to be, I mean, you know, I'm like, man, I hope when I heard that, I thought, gosh, I hope that's not my agents <laughs> that are being part of that. You know, I, if you have anything to do with it, don't be because man, what a bummer. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, real estate, even though it's our profession, it's not our life. That is not being a realtor. doesn't define who you are. However, if you remain in the negative space all day in your profession, more than likely that negativity showing up in your own happiness. So I've, one, one of the things I think is, was what I'd love to talk on for a minute is like, we, you guys are some of the hardest people, working people I know. I watch you with your people. I see the time and energy you put in both during normal work hours and outside of that. There's times I've met with you guys into the evening, early mornings, things like that. Like you guys kick butt and take names on an ongoing basis. How do you maintain personal happiness when we're dealing with all these issues and, and making things happen at the same time? Because I think that's also a critical thing for us to think through as 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 business people is, hey, how do I how do I maintain like real happiness through this process while I may may have to do some things that aren't very fun in winning in business? Yeah, I. Uh... It's funny because, you know, we're all leaders here uh, and, you know, I've had so many meetings the last several months with some of our experienced agents kind of almost talking them off the ledge that they want to get out of the industry or they want to go get a job or whatever. And, you know, we'll I'll consult them. We'll talk about it. And, it. and it usually comes down to they know what to do. They know when to do it, why to do it, how to do it. It's just do they want to do it? You know, and, and I get that. I get it. You know, it's just we got spoiled and and it just it's hard work a little bit more now, you know, and I remember even coming out of the Great Recession 2010 ish. I used to call Fizbo's. Right. And I hated it. I hated it. I, I still don't think I made a dollar off Fizbo's because I wasn't very good at it. But I just knew that if I came in and called Fizbo's for 30, 60 minutes uh, right at the beginning of my day, call my sphere, knocking doors, all those other things, it was just so much easier for me to do it. And even uh, it's a weird person to quote, but like Dana White, you know, he says, like, if if you're even remotely savage, you're going to crush it over the next 20 years just because of how like soft our, our generations got. And we just have to just know it's work. And for me, there's just the little things I do that just bring adversity and hard things in my life that somehow make me realize, like, picking up the phone isn't as hard, you know, as as a lot of other things that, that, that could be hard. You know, I had an agent that just he was so sick of real estate, didn't want to make his calls. He went out and did concrete, uh, like foundations uh, for like, uh, he made it 10 days and he came back to me. He's like, all right, like, this is not hard. I <laughs> And he's back at it and he's in the office every single day making calls. So you just, uh, just do it, you know? Have you guys read The Comfort Crisis? I literally just started listening to that yesterday. Such a great book, but it's it's exactly that mentality of like, we've become so soft because we, we refuse to choose hard because we... we Sometimes you have to choose hard to like learn about yourself. I One thing I'd love to hear from you guys is I, I look back at my own career, being in real estate now for almost 23 years. And I think the biggest times of growth and development for me have been in, in challenging times, not the easy times. And so the, the question, the question I, I think we can kind of wrap up on here is what, what is it that we want to learn through this process? Like who, who's the next evolution of you? Like I, I know a lot of I look up to you guys and I, and, and, you know, there's times I, I look at you guys, I'm like, I wonder why they're friends with me. Those guys, those guys have made it and I'm trying to make it. But I, one thing I love about us is none of us are satisfied with who we are. And so the idea is if we're all, if we're being faced with this challenge right now and, and we're going through some hard times, like what is it you're wanting to learn and where are you wanting to grow through the, through this time right now? Because one thing, one, I, I want to learn from you too. I want to support you. That's part of being friends and, and coworkers is how do we support each other through that growth? Any thoughts on that? 
I'll, I'll speak into that really fast. The happiness and the, and the controlling of, you know, your future self and all that is, is really important to me. And I think I loved Tim Grover um, at mega camp at the CEO summit. For those of you that did not hear him, I mean, his books are great. I think, you know, they're, they're awesome, but hearing him, he said something about like, when you are successful, you control your mind and you control your thoughts and nobody else does. And, and to be honest, that's hard to do sometimes, especially because we're in a very emotionally based uh, business. But I think when you think about that, and I agree with, um, I think Johnny, you said you were talking to agents. Everybody right now has an immense amount of pressure, I feel like. And I just listened to the best podcast. Um, it's a, It was a sermon. He's a pastor, but he does leadership too. It was a, his, it's, um, I can send it to you and you can send it out. But he said a great thing. He said, pressure will either refine you or it will confine you. And you have to really know, you know, you have to know the difference and you have to, you have to be aware of that because when you're confined by pressure, you shrink back and, you know, Marcus and Joe know this, but unfortunately my dad just passed away about a month ago and, and there, there was a, a minute kind of after that, that I thought, you know, like, why do I want to have this big life? And I remember calling Linda and I was like, I just need you to kind of help me through this. Like, why am I even doing like, why do I want to have this big wife life? Why am I doing all this? You know? And I don't know if anybody else has ever thought that before or not, but hopefully I'm not the only one. And, and so we were kind of talking about it for a minute and she said, she helped me with some personal things and we got off the phone. And then I saw, um, my, my, my dad's car is still sitting in the cul-de-sac in front of my house in Charleston right now. And I just kind of looked at it because I haven't been able to do anything with it yet. And I kind of looked at it and I thought, like, that's why I want to have a big life because a lot of people wouldn't have been able to just tap, you know, buy the car and let it sit there. And it's not an expensive car, but you know, it means something to me right now. And so I think when we're thinking about happiness, like we have to really think about why are we doing this and then staying in your unique ability, you know, doing what you love. It's really, I don't know again about you guys, but I get down when I'm focused on all the stuff that I'm not good at, I don't like to do, I shouldn't be doing it, I don't want to do. So you have to learn a lot of leverage um, and, and figuring out, you know, what that is. So for me, I think it's continuing to work on emotional fitness and and being that, you know, not soft, like doing hard things. Like you said, Marcus, you're so good at that. Like I look up to you for that. I'm like, Marcus does all this hard crap. I could never climb any of those <laughs> mountains or do any of this, do any of the stuff that he does. But it's it's truly like really work. Working on that because um, this is the last thing I'll say. The the Michael Jordan Tim Grover story was huge to me, and he said Gary asked him, "How in the world did you get Michael?" I shared this today in this in the in this class I was in. How in the world did you get Michael Jordan as a coach? And Tim said, "You won't believe this, but I wrote 14 letters to to and hand wrote 14 letters and and sent them to 14 players that were on the team, but I didn't send one to MJ because he was kind of the untouchable." And he said, I never got a call from any of the players that I sent the 14 letters to, but I got a call from one of Michael's other coaches saying, Hey, Michael Jordan wants to talk to you. And Tim said, how did, just curious, like, how did he get my, you know, how do you get my info? And he said, well, he was in the locker room and he heard all the other guys talking about this letter that they got from this guy who wanted to coach him. And he said, never forget this. And you guys should write this down. The best of the best are always looking to get better. Mm. And that's how, that's who I am. Like, that's how I want to be. And, and to me, like, that's how we have to be going into this market too. The best of the best are always looking to get better. None of those other guys even responded to Tim Grover, but Jordan is always, was always looking to get better. And so he was the one that did. And I just think like, that's, that's good. Like that's, that's who I want to be. That's awesome. Love yeah. It. 
I, I think I think I'm the I become the best version of myself in the bottomest of the market. You know, like it just it forces you to refine who you are, like why you want to do it, what you want to do. Like, you know, no pressure, no diamonds. Like I totally agree with all that. Like it just it, you you have to go through that like down markets suck. Don't get me wrong, but like it does refine you to be a better version of yourself. And on the way up, you just now are a lean, mean real estate fighting machine. And that's where the wealth can come in, in spades for sure. You know, so I, I've learned to like, not love, but appreciate uh, these times just because it is a cleansing cycle for me in all areas of life. Uh, but it, you can't do it alone too. Like even just this call, I'm like, yeah, let's go kick this market's butt, you know? So you have to be the most engaged as well. Like if you're not going to team meetings, if you're not going to trainings, if you're not around other people that remotely have that same mentality, good luck doing it alone. Cause it, it, it is hard for sure. So. Love it. Joe, what do you got for us to wrap up? Um, I think couple things came to mind i think framework like your mindset and how you frame situations because you can always frame it a different way like the if you look at like yin and yangs like there's always a, a counter to whatever you're experiencing i think a couple things was like pressure creates opportunities and opportunities create pressure so like you have to realize that because i created pressure on my life to go do something that was like uncomfortable it created an opportunity and when you get enough opportunities those opportunities itself create pressure, whether it's human capital um, or, or cash, right? And remember this thing is that you get paid for two things. You either get paid to do the work no one else wants to do, or you get paid for doing the work that people can't figure out. If you think about the real estate transaction, you get paid because there's so many things going on on it. So the top agents get paid a boatload because they figured out a complex thing that most people can't figure out or they don't want to do. Ooh, that's, that's good. Because the truth is, what a lot of real estate agents get paid for, honestly, is filling out a couple of blanks on a piece of paper. Like that, that's what some that's what some of your competition thinks they get paid for. And they do because they beat you to the conversation. Whew, that that was powerful. Nice work. Um, well, thank you guys for for being here today. Number one, thank you guys for for the friendship. I constantly learn from you guys. Uh one, one thing that I would leave with the group is this is is I'm I know right now it's about in some elements doubling down on our effort. What that what I don't want you to take away from that is yes, we have to double down and triple down on the right activities. What what I don't want you to hear here is is say goodbye to your families and, and your other people and your fitness and your and your mental health for the next year while we while we combat and learn in this market. It's really about, I think, getting in a daily habit for a minute of just taking a few minutes to yourself at the end of every day and asking yourself. What are the things I should have done today that I didn't? And what are the things I did that I shouldn't have that would have had a big impact on my day? And, and one of the things that, that uh, I did a couple of years ago that really had a change for me, you guys, you guys all know my personal mission vision statement, which I still love and I still live by. But one of the things that I was sitting, I was sitting um, on a beach somewhere on vacation with my family, but I was stressed out. I'm like, why am I stressed right now? I'm on vacation with my family. And I pulled my, my iPhone out. And I wrote a quick note to myself, what makes me happy? And I made a quick list of the things that truly, truly make me happy. It's not a big, pretty list or anything like that where I'm overthinking it or anything. I just said, what is it that makes me happy? And I made a list of five, six things that were just like, make me happy. And I, I tell you, I read that note, even though I read it uh, or wrote it several years ago, I, I read that note every time I'm feeling a little stressed, I just pull out that little list and be like, what really makes me happy? And did does my... Does my day reflect that? Am I, am I the things I'm doing? Does it support 
my happiness, my family's happiness, the people that need me the most. And that doesn't mean I'm only doing the comfortable things or, or not doing the hard things. It actually gives me the courage and, and the effort to go do the hard things because my happiness lies on the other side of getting those things done. Um, so now is the time. Don't give up on your hat. Think you have to give up on your happiness to go do the things. Tie those activities and this change and this evolution of who you are to a new level of happiness for yourself. Um, and that's what I'm focused on as well. Um, any last comments from, from you guys? Nope. Yeah. Thanks for having the discussion. Okay. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys being in our world. Take care. Thanks. For that. All right, everybody. Thank you for le uh, leaning into the conversation. Uh, I am so grateful for uh, my dear friends leaning in and giving me their insight on what's going on in the economy. I hope that you learned something from the conversation and took away a couple nuggets. Now the idea is how do you utilize that information to go improve your current situation and have a conversation with the people in your world. And as always, don't forget, go live life on your terms.